that was um, a little risque. And uh, saying what I'm saying in a very, very empowered, sensual way as a teenager, mm -hmm. uh, that's not what the topics were at the time for R&B girls. <laughs> Welcome to the Original Doll Iconography. I am your host, James Rodriguez. On the Original Doll, I unpackage music with the people who create it, and at the same time, we give back to charity. So for every question a guest answers, we get items donated to those in need, including domestic abuse survivors, homeless LGBT plus teens, and more. For more information, go to Instagram, the.original.doll. A big shout out to my Patreon supporters. Thank you so much for your support. And if this is your first time listening to Iconography, the Original Doll, welcome. Returners, welcome back. And as with every episode of The Original Doll, any audio recording ripping stealing is strictly prohibited in every country in the world. So if you see any audio snippets leaked, please report it to the webmaster. Now today we are honoring somebody who many of you have messaged me about, and we are doing a track by track of her iconic debut. I'm going to get right to this, but once again, thank you so much. And don't forget, follow me on your preferred streaming platform. As many of you know, I'm an independent podcaster, so any sort of support helps. To join me in my community, go to theoriginaldoll.com. Now, on with the show. My name is James Rodriguez. This is The Original Doll Iconography. Today, we are joined by an icon, somebody who has been in this industry over 25 years, who is, and this is from fans, who has fed our souls with music, our eyes with choreography, and our hearts with joy. I would like to welcome recording artist, Grammy winner, singer, songwriter, actor, entrepreneur, tap dancer, and amazing human being, Maya. Maya, thank you for being Aww. here today. What a sweet introduction. How are you? <laughs> I I am great. The amount of joy and love that your fans worldwide have sent letters of love is just, it's amazing. So thank you for spending time today because we're going to be honoring, we're going to go back to that debut album and for, you know, here, the CD insert, I said <laughs> it was like, my favorite photo is whatever chair this is. It's <laughs> oh hilarious. Because um, wow. this is, the fun thing is it's going back and so many people would go to the CDs and open them, look for the liner notes, look for who produced it. And this is amazing to be able to revisit something that was so loved. So today we're going to talk about the iconography of Maya, the debut album. Here we go. We have so many great, great, great comments and love letters to you. Dana from Switzerland said, James Rodriguez of the original doll. I lived in the US until recently and I grew up never feeling normal. I was a young girl of color who liked musicals and plays, but on TV and radio, you didn't see anyone talking about their love of musicals. And then came Maya. She was the first time I saw anyone of color talking about loving the performing arts and the importance of education. Can you thank her? Because of Maya, I feel confident in getting into the arts. And to this day, I tell people how important the arts and education is. Can you ask her where her love of performing arts came from? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, hello there. Uh, thank you for the wonderful note letter. And of course, invitation, James. My love for the arts started very, very early on. I had my first pair of ballet shoes when I was about two and a half years old. <laughs> and, you know, I was a very busy kid in gymnastics and tap, jazz, majorettes, ballet, you name it, any kind of uh, dance as well as music, orchestra, piano lessons. I played the violin from grade five till whenever. <laughs> and um, there was always something. And I think when you develop relationships where you are 
everyone has the uh, same goal and it's a safe space with, of course, pushing you to your limits, but also to reach your full potential, but also working collectively as a team and a unit, you realize that there are so many beautiful people and spirits in the world that are there to encourage you, uplift you, and work with you and win together, whatever that means. So my love from the arts or for the arts started very early on, and it only grew as I grew. This is this is what I love because it's seeing those early seedlings of, you know, those ballet shoes, those things, because as somebody who is a fan of your entire career, you see all those different elements. You were never this one-dimensional person. It was... I'm a storyteller. I'm a singer. I'm a tap. The tap dance to the major, like this whole time I was like, can we find something she can't do? Is she bad at playing pool? Like, can we throw something out there for the rest of us? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm not, I'm, I'm not the best in playing the game of basketball or oh, pool. <laughs> my brother's got me beat on that. But, you know, my mother used to take me to all of these plays. We watched a lot of black and white films. I was a big fan of uh, triple threat threat quadruple threat, et cetera, entertainers, Sammy Davis Juniors, uh, Fred Astaire, Ginger Rogers, um, the Nicholas Brothers, Gregory Hines, Dorothy Dandridge. Uh There's so many. And I was exposed to that as a a young girl. And theater was where you could do everything at once, you know, whether it was behind the scenes or even being on stage. And um, I have an infinite love for theater still. (laughs) And and the thing is, it's you've been able to connect with so many different people through so many different ways, whether people are like, I loved her in Chicago. I, and they're like, did you know she was in Chicago? She was in like all of these different things where I think it was for me and you, you and I are about like the same age and being an 80s baby where, you know, just like growing up in the 80s, ultimately you had MTV mm-hmm. coming out, you had those visuals and my love of like janet jackson and then going through janet jackson and seeing all the the dorothy dandridge references and then it's like you come along i'm like this is this is continuing on and i love everything about this because you're somebody who's been inspired by so many of those greats and you've always given them that back saying you were influenced that these people played a part in cultivating who you are as a well-rounded human being and i just think we need more people like you that do that oh well we it's just a playground and we love to do what we do. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Then let me ask you this. When you were prepping for getting this this debut album together, knowing mm-hmm. what you knew about, and I keep going back to storytelling because with dance, Gregory Hines, all the, there was always a story to tell. Even if they weren't saying those words, there was a story mm-hmm. to tell. So yes. putting together your debut album, what story did you want to tell with that? Kind of figuring out your identity and being that debut. Well, I definitely wanted to be an example of this teen that was figuring out life, being real, being raw, but also being strong in the process and empowering young ladies that were maybe suffering from or experiencing for the first time love, um, what we considered heartbreak at the time, mm-hmm. <laughs> and how to move on from that and thrive, you know, and and deal with it and handle it in a very empowering way. But just being expressive and being honest in how we feel and how we're processing things in that moment. It's not always pretty and um, it's not always frills and glamorous. So I thought that was very, very um, much my lane being so young with very little life experience, but also taking from what a lot of my friends and even my mom was going through at the time. In, in relationships and and showing up you know I was this fashionista very much like my mother at that age of being a teenager and you know you're trying to find your individuality and that takes a lot of trying things out and playing with things so even through the fashions and just being kick-ass in, in your movement um getting out there and going for it not knowing exactly if anything is guaranteed but it was a very very exciting time uh putting that first album together because of all of the performance components um, that I was looking forward to bringing the arts into the music videos, into the fashion, because I draw and I paint and my mom, <laughs> she sews costumes since I was a little girl and and seeing that come to life. It's, it's the big production from zero to nothing and creating something and birthing it into the universe, which I think 
artists are so, so very addicted to <laughs> the whole mm -hmm. process. And then watching all the components fit like a puzzle so that people can receive this experience. That was the most exciting. See, and this is, and the thing is the, the, the critics, the fans, the, the new fans all received it. You know, I was listening to that and I, I put the CD on and I remember just going, because this was at the time where you, there was a story to be told in an album that there was cohesiveness. And so here I am, this young, you know, young gay guy in Chicago going, Ooh, I feel that. I, I didn't, I was like, you know, this guy is going to break up with me. It's the worst feeling that no one else feels. This. And I'm like, Oh wait, <laughs> I feel, I feel seen. I feel heard. But it was what I thought was for me, it was a way to connect because I didn't feel that I was an outsider. I feel like you created a world that invited us in to share, to be a part of that playground and to go, I'm not perfect. This is where I'm at right now. This is the way I'm feeling right. Could change tomorrow, but this is where I'm at right <laughs> now. So, yeah. okay. Well, so, I, I definitely okay. had a little edge to me <laughs> as a teen girl. <laughs> Come a <down>. little. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I, I came out in I high heels it. and a miniskirt and I was very proud of it. My dad was on set. Yeah, I've been wearing leotards since <laughs> I was two years old. So, I mean, I'm coming with the heat and the fire and not being apologetic. At that time, that was not safe. Mm. You know, that was um, <laughs> a little risque. And uh, saying what I'm saying in a very, very empowered, sensual way as a teenager. Mm -hmm. uh, that's not what the topics were at the time for R&B girls. So I was happy to convey that comfort, but also confidence. Uh, because I grew up in a very, very strict household, but also noticed that in society, women are usually criticized for doing what the boys do. And I intentionally humped the floor in a mini skirt for those reasons in my very first video. <laughs> so I want to do what the boys do, but I'm going to do it in a very, very sensual, sexy way. I would say I was a rebel in my, um, in my thinking at that time. And it looks like um, just a walk in the park now based on what the culture is today. Mm -hmm. Anything goes, but um that was my mindset as well. If you're going to do this, then then go in and go all out and go hard or go mm -hmm. home. <laughs> well, and that was something where it was, I remember thinking, this is not what I'm hearing in, in music in general. I'm not hearing confidence and, and that self-awareness. And it wasn't that it wasn't happening. The music wasn't being put out that was that way. And then when somebody might try it, it's like, it didn't seem genuine. And at that time I was like, next, do you know what I mean? Like when somebody creates something that is so forced that you're just like, okay, I see right through it. Whereas when you came, I was like, yes, everything, everything about this, I'm here for it because you could talk about something and people are like, Ooh, it's controversial. She's a young girl who knows what she wants, but then they'll say, Oh, this male guy is telling a woman what her place should be. And we applaud. And I'm like, wait, as you, you might be able to, I, you know, a single mom raised me with a bunch of sisters. So early on, it was like, women are better than men. You do your thing. And I've always, my love of of women and the cherished memories I have of women are because of the women that have stood up. You know, the whether it was Maya Angelou, all these women that always stood up when they were being told to sit down or the game is right here. You're going to play over here. And you're like, well, here's my playground. I'm over here. Come on in if you want. Don't if you don't. <laughs> How was that then, knowing that you were coming out of the gate so differently than the <clears throat> scene at the time? You know what I mean? Like you personally, not even Maya, the recording artist, but you as a person going, I'm going to be going into some areas where you knew people are going to be like, mm -mm -mm. Well, How did you, you handle know, that? I just knew being in the arts, there's criticism anyways. There's judges all the time at your competitions. Everyone has their own opinion. But I didn't know what it was like with press. I didn't know anything about you know the world of uh, criticism and everyone interpreting art a different way. I didn't know that component. But obviously, millions are watching and you're growing up. So I was prepared for it, though I was still very green as far as uh, <clears throat> reception is concerned and feedback. But as long as I like it, I'm proud of it. I thought that that is always the way to go so that I can mm -hmm. look back upon myself 
because you know it's not going to please everyone but as long as you like it i think many people will resonate with that and then live in that confidence and those that like it will follow that those that do not resonate with it that's okay too you know <laughs> i love this i love this for those who want to know what i do on here is i go through and read these letters of love and i also talk about oh, yeah. where the album was 25 years ago and then where it is now because you've created music that has still resonated with people two and a half decades later. And I throw that out there because it's important. You made music that still resonates with people, that they were still, people are still emailing me today to say they love this. Here's here's an example. So we know that this album, this is amazing, went platinum in five months. Now, everyone, you had to take your butt to the store to go buy this CD. I remember going to the record store going, hoping, hoping that the CD was in. You know what I mean? They didn't have 20,000 copies in every store. So I remember there was the joy of getting to the record store, using your hard-earned money and buying it, but that it sold over a million copies in that five months, which means like a million people took time out of their day to go get it because it resonated with them. And I think that shouldn't be overlooked. In addition, the 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 deluxe edition went on iTunes. It went number one on the R&B soul charts in Italy, number one on the iTunes R&B soul albums in Turkey, Luxembourg. And this is just this year. People are still using their hard-earned money to buy this album 25 years later. Yeah, I wasn't aware. <laughs> that's that's Thank what you. I'm here for. I'm the... Thank you. Hopping out for a quick second, if this is your first time listening to the original Dal James Rodriguez iconography, check out my interviews with the producers, songwriters who've worked with Janet Jackson, Rihanna, and so many other greats. Go to theoriginaldal.com, go to Spotify or Apple Podcasts, and you'll find it there. And join me on Patreon, theoriginaldal.com. Now back to the show. It's important because you created something that in so many of these countries that we even got letters from... English is not these people's first language. So you were able to make sonics that connected with people that they still love and cherish today. So that's that's bravo to you all. going to go track by track everyone get get these love letters out there now what you say went on the r&b soul itunes charts in april 2023 at number 30 now we have justine from canada james i bought the deluxe edition of maya's album like you recommended and i had the cd back in the day i'm glad i bought it because it's truly one of the best debut albums of all times my girls and i bought these cds and we would play them while we got our hair ready we lost one of our core girls to cancer, and the rest of us have been playing the music and remembering the good old days. Please thank Maya for making this album. It created a sisterhood for me that I can never pay her back. Thank you. Wow. That's very special to be a part of people's memories and great times and bonds. You never know how far music or anything that you put into the universe will go. So that's very touching and reaffirming. I was going to say, it's one of those things that as I was receiving these and I couldn't even get all hundreds and hundreds of these messages. So I tried, okay, let me grab a couple because they're you connected with so many people and they wanted to share it. And the funny thing is the amount of times I get these letters about any of the guests saying, I would never, I don't know if I have the confidence to message her directly, to be exposed in that way. And I'm like, let me be that, that platform, that, that channel for you to do that. We had Chad from Italy. He said, please ask Maya about putting this song on this album. What did she want to do by putting this as the first song? Is it scary to decide what the first song on your first album is going to be? Thank you, Maya. Love your smile. Chad from Italy. Hi, Chad from Italy. Uh, 
I actually chose that song myself as the first song to introduce people to me. Who is Maya? What's the vibe? Okay, I'm I'm fun before we get into all of these R&B ballads and this heartbreak. I'm still a girl that loves to have fun and, and go out with my girls and party and, and drive. You know, it's it's a time with me and I'm usually the life of a party. So at that time, uh, I decided that that's what I wanted the first song to be for those reasons because the album gets a little deeper and I didn't want it to be too serious. Um, first impressions are everything. Now we're going to go to track two, Moving On, which went number one for two weeks on the mainstream R&B hip-hop airplay, number three on rhythmic airplay, number four on the hot R&B hip-hop, number 11 on the dance club. And in 2020, it went number seven in Denmark on the R&B soul songs charts. Okay. In addition, it went number 11 in the Netherlands on iTunes and number 16 in Belgium on the R&B soul iTunes charts. So people are still loving this music. Just... You, you're going to keep getting all these fun facts, so be prepared. You have a lot coming your way. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we have Toya from Bermuda. James, I want to send my love to Maya, one of the most important women in R&B since the 1990s. Her song, Moving On, got me kicking my scrub to the curb. Never had a song made me feel empowered to leave a cheater. Can she talk about when she made this? What was it like? Was she scared? How is she treated differently by men after they know this is who she is? That's actually a good question. Very nice. Uh, Well, that song is very, very empowering. It is the realization that you need to leave after having that conversation with yourself and knowing that you deserve better. Realization is key in making the next step or taking the next step. So when we made that song, it was about what women and men go through all the time, people, uh, whether it's at a job or whether it's uh, in a circumstance that, you know, you don't belong in <clears throat> anymore. And it's always risky, especially when you're married. Um, I was not at the time. And, you know, you're taught to stay in certain situations, but if it's not healthy, it's time to go. It's not your truth anymore to go against truth is to hurt yourself. So I made that decision to put a song like that on my album for strength, for inspiration of going after what is true to self and what is right for self, even though it may be deemed selfish. And I gave the reasons in the song. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it was kind of, um, you know, it was funny. Uh, It was petty. We love all those vibes. It was immature. It was mature as well. So uh, Cisco was a big part of the songwriting on this project. And Daryl Pearson, who also produced All About Me. uh, We were in Atlanta, Georgia when we wrote that song together. And it was everything I wanted to say. And one of my mom's favorite songs at the time. Yeah. And the, the fun thing is, it's like these songs as we as we go through this and everyone i'm sending out the links again if you haven't bought the digital version of the deluxe make sure you get it and here's what i love is so many people i always say it's okay if some people are like wait i didn't know that one song or this song i go that's okay we love new ears on older songs that's okay songs find a place when they're supposed to you know you've worked on songs where maybe releasing it today doesn't make sense but maybe a year from now you're like you know what Now it's time to let that bird fly, uncage that bird. Mm -hmm. Hopping out for a quick second. So when you purchase the digital deluxe of Maya, the debut, or when you stream it right now, look and listen, what song resonates with you today? And what was the song that resonated with you 25 years ago? And then let me know. You can go to the originaldial.com. You could scroll down to the comment section, throw it in there, or send me a DM on Instagram, the.original.dial, or Twitter, 
at James Rodriguez. And let me know what song resonates with you today and is it different than 25 years ago. I love learning about this. And if you have any questions for future guests, you could send it that way as well. Now we're going to get back to the show where Maya continues to answer the question about has men's perception of her changed since she's released all of these songs? I don't know. I've never thought about that. And that's a great question. Uh, I think when you exude strength, it can be very intimidating. That's my assessment and opinion. Uh, but I've never known how that song may have resonated with men if they think, hey, they can't get away with things <laughs> with me because I will move on. But I think words are powerful and you model your life after what you put into the universe. I have noticed that. And I have a greater appreciation as I go uh, grow older and have more life experience with those empowering songs because it also plays a part in how I do handle things. So manifestation, words are vibration and a part of your reality. So I'm very, very aware of what I do now put into the universe. (laughs) This... I, I swear, you're like all of our life coaches at this point. It's like we're still learning so much from you. I'm like, this is amazing. I was a baby, was a baby back then, <laughs> vocally, lyrically. Everything has just soared and improved. And hey, it's part of the journey. <laughs> and that's the fun part that we get to grow with you. You know what I mean? Like that's there's those artists that you love too where we get to grow with them. We get to go through the ups and the downs and the changes and the world just being the world. And I created this, this platform so that we can reconnect with those that created music and art that resonated with us and still does. And it really shaped who we are. There were so many people that message saying, you know, this song by Maya, that song by Maya, like mm-hmm. it helped me because I, I couldn't communicate those words myself. She was able to communicate for me. It was like, Sometimes we can't communicate and you're just that nice hand on the shoulder going, I got this, play that song. And you allowed us to have that release with, with the music, good, bad party, you know, not one of my, one of my favorite songs to tell people when they're, they're having bad times in general is taking me over. I was like, I absolutely love that song with you and left. It was like, it's so you put it on and it just takes you away and you just feel like it's this breath of fresh air. And that's what you've been able to do for us is allow us to feel a part of it and to have ownership in that, that like, Oh, this, that's my song. You know what I mean? And I, I love it. And thank you for continuing to talk about this because I cool. love this. Yeah. Up next, we have track three on the album, Baby, It's Yours, which in 2022, it went number one on iTunes, the R&B soul charts in the United Arab Emirates, and number four in Netherlands on the R&B soul songs iTunes charts 2022. Now we have Lance from the Netherlands, James. Here we get, this is awesome. And, And by the way, apologize greatly. I try to read these as they're sent to me. So some words may be a little bit different Mm -hmm. and the listeners know that so i'm like it's all good so lance from the netherlands james i think you will do the best honoring r&b princess maya i was in the closet for a long time and my boyfriend and i played him baby it's yours because i couldn't use the words to tell him how i feel it became our song he knew how i felt about the song he died young but i always have this memory of maya singing the song and it makes me happy tell maya her voice made me fall in love with the song and connect with my boyfriend can you ask how scary is it to make music in the recording studio for the first time and to be open like this? Wow. That is so beautiful. You just never know these life experiences and it's very sentimental, very special. And thank you, Lance, I believe. Mm-hmm. Lance, that. Lance. That's beautiful. Um, it's not scary at all. I think if there are a lot of eyes on you, you're very self-conscious. So I like to have closed sessions so that I can be vulnerable 
and not feel like I'm being recorded or judged while I'm trying things. And you have to be free when you're putting things down and allow yourself to get out of the way and be so open uh, that it can be very scary in that process of singing and trying things that you're not very sure of or just freestyling because you never know what's going to come out. Um, and I'm one of those girls that likes to rehearse everything down to the T, but sometimes if you rehearse too much, the feeling is missing. So I like to be in the studio by myself. Now that I know where I work best, it's usually a safe place. No one's looking, no one's watching. <laughs> and then, um, I would say back then, I can tell a difference between now and then how vocally dynamic I am now because of the safety and insecurity back then as well, because you're just stepping into this new world at, at the same time. Um, and this is, hey, your very first project and you want, want it to be great. So I can say earlier in my career that I didn't learn what environments were the best for me because obviously it's obviously it's brand new and you have to sort of try different things and then hear the result of so mm -hmm. now i know and i have a specific way that i need to work and i like to work and that's alone <laughs> and that's when you get the best most dynamic vocal performances for me and i stay there all day until i get it the way i want it to be where i can listen to it over and over and over again and be so satisfied I, I love this. And that's once again, that's like growth in your artistry and also the rehearsal part. That's, that's the musical theater. That is the you going, okay, we want to rehearse. The, we want the rulers that are allowed to hit you. <laughs> you better get it right. You know, <laughs> again, you're like, oh, the land that I come from. Yeah. It's serious in the arts, but um, he asked another question about the topics and this specific yeah. topic. You know, I was a virgin. When I sang Baby It's Yours, and I remember, you know, the guys that were around me at the time, they were like big brothers, uncles, and they were like, this is what every man wants to hear from a woman, mm -hmm. and never really got into the psyche of that until I got into relationships, and it's that reassurance. So you never know the power as you're trying things out that you haven't lived either, Mm -hmm. and not really having that first love to completely connect it's like imaginary relationship in your mind and what you want it to be so it's also manifestation when you put those things out there in, in the universe and eventually I fell in love with my first love and these were also the songs that I listened to and that, that I related to in a different way later on mm -hmm. when I experienced it so it's so special and sentimental to hear another person's experience with the song that, uh, you know, I didn't necessarily fully embody until later on. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, and that's the great part about music and arts. Like mm -hmm. we can appreciate and pick things, separate things up as a different chapter in our life goes on. We get to take that music and listen to it years later and take something else out of it. And you, the creator of this, the, the moment the Sonic's going... I'm in a different place now. What resonates with me now that didn't then? That's what's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Up next, we have track number four, Keep On Loving Me, which in 2023, it went to number 15 in France on the R&B Soul iTunes charts. Miranda from New York City. James, you told me to buy Maya's album, and I did, and I effing love it. I am playing Keep On Loving Me over and over and over and over. That sample is so good. Did Maya ever get worried about using a sample for any of her music? Was she nervous? Because it is one hell of a great song. It's my favorite on the album. Maya sings the hell out of that song. And that was Miranda, New York City. Miranda, how are you? Well, that was one of my favorite songs on the album, too. At the time, I loved Bad Boys, Puff Daddy. <laughs> mm -hmm. All about the Benjamins. Benjamins. I heard that song on the radio, and I, I loved it. It got me so hype. I love to dance to it. And to have that on my project, I was ecstatic, you know? Um, I wanted to choreograph to it. I had all these fashion ideas. If we shot a music video to it, which I wanted to do because I was a big fan of the sample anyways, I wasn't afraid of it because I was not privy to how that worked. 
anyways on the legal side. Mm-hmm. I wasn't engulfed in the business like I am now. Later later on, I learned a bit more about the business. So I um, I was more so excited to have that type of song and then turn it into an R&B song. Which, by the way, I cut in a hotel room in Washington, D.C. with Daryl Pearson and Cisco, who live in Baltimore, and I'm closer to D.C. at the time. So they came down and we cut the demo uh, in this hotel room, like by DuPont Circle. That's what I remember. And I remember a green carpet. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, this is cool. I don't have to be in a, a major studio. We can record on your your computer. This is so cool. And I think that's the time that technology was starting to change, but not mm-hmm. everyone had access to it. So we literally cut those vocals in a hotel room to start. Yeah. That is blowing my <laughs> mind because it's 25 years, 26 years ago, whatever it was when that was being recorded, that was still early technology. Early. Like, oh my goodness. <laughs> Yes. And now the listeners are going to go back and like listen to it and go <laughs> green carpet, green basement, carpet, basement style. Yeah, well, those are the ones. Those are the jams, and you feel more comfortable in those environments because it's not so intimidating. You're not spending a lot of money, you know, and you're more free. So that was one of those free, single, sexy, and free. <laughs> <laughs> Up next, we have track five, It's All About Me, featuring Cisco, which went number two on the Billboard Mainstream R&B Hip Hop, number two in R&B Hip Hop Song Sales, Hip Hop Songs, number two. And in 2023, it went number one in the Netherlands on the iTunes R&B Soul Charts, number five in 2022 on the iTunes R&B Belgium Charts. And and since 2019, it's charted in over 15 countries on iTunes. I always tell people, if you love an artist, support them. If they're putting out that physical version of the thing, buy that. If there's not that, buy the digital because that is the best way to support independent artists, especially artists that we still love and go see them on tour and everything. Buy the song, make it a part of you. So that's why I always throw that out there. But once again, you've been able to have songs that are charting on iTunes, people using their hard-earned money this year, these songs, and still loving it. And that's what I think is amazing. That's so cool. I'm not aware of any of these charts. So this is pretty awesome to hear. <laughs> it's great because it's also it's showing I love being able to show artists because you get the love when you tour and and you're on stage and you see people worldwide. And then it's like if they can't if if you're not touring in Italy, let's say, you know, any anytime soon or anything, you still have those Italian fans who are like, you know what, I want to support or I want to do this. And I'm like, I love it. By the way, the other question I get a lot is what sort of physical merch is coming from Maya? What sort of thing? So <laughs> the fans are all like, when well, are we getting physical? So when are wow. we getting physical? That sounded different. <laughs> I'm always like distributing cool things, whether it's calendars or I now have an, an Amazon store of merch and it's for customization. So you can pick your color, your size, which art you would like to go onto, the actual t-shirt, sweatshirt, whatever you want. But it's a print on demand situation. Okay. So it's not like this bulk situation. So that's available now. I still have my wine and the general Planet Nine hoodies and tees on my website, mayamaya.com. But I'm like all ears all the time. It's a calendar that they want next. Of course, the physical CDs. Now they are asking me to put (laughs) the very first album and second album, as well as third album on vinyl. So I have to talk to the record label about that. But we currently have my own vinyl and some of the independent collections available on my website as well. So we'll see what's next uh, from the fans and supporters, a.k.a. family. And um, I'll do the best that I can to serve. You can go to shop.mayamaya.com. And on Amazon, it is official Maya merchandise through Amazon.com. Awesome. 
I've um, done a merchandise deal as well for like a lot of stores. So Forever 21 is selling Maya t-shirts now and you can pick and choose. I didn't know this. Yeah. You know, for the fans that have been asking me, when are we going to get Maya shirts? I felt very weird about selling my face and name on a shirt for a long time until they were like, no, we want to wear your face or your name at your concerts. We want to support. So for a long time, I just did Planet Nine because it means something and it's not about a person. So they've asked for years and now they can get my T-shirts at several stores, Forever 21 being one of them. I love that. And the other thing too, <laughs> is it's so many people want to purchase and know that the money is going to that artist, because I think it's important because somebody else is taking the like, you know what I mean? There's so many times where it's like, wait, who who made that shirt? And it's like somebody else made it, whether bootleg or not sort of thing. At yeah. least you are taking control of that and saying that your name is behind mm-hmm. what you're putting out there, which I think is important. Hopping out for a quick second. Many people say, James, how can I support my favorite artists, songwriters, producers? It's very simple. Purchase when that album comes out, whether it's the physical, purchase it when it first comes out. Buy the digital album. Then you can also stream it on whatever preferred uh, streaming platform you utilize. I always tell people, but go directly to the official channels for all of these artists. Instead of sharing somebody's uploaded uh, video of one of Maya's songs through Twitter, Share the official link from her YouTube page. That helps the algorithm. And many people say, James, how do we support you? You've been supporting all these artists, so many of these great women in the arts. You can just join me on Patreon. Go to theoriginaldoll.com. Doing so, you're able to help keep the original doll with James Rodriguez going with so many great guests coming up very soon. Now back to the show. We're going to get to It's All About Me because we actually have a question from There's a guy named Jackson Sweden who sent me about 30 different questions. He loves you, loves you, loves you. He doesn't use social media much. He sent me emails, emails, emails continually. I was, I love this. So Jackson Sweden, James Original Doll, love how you honor so many great women. Can you talk to Maya about how she and the label chose her debut single? There's so many good songs on it. This is once again one of the best debut singles of all time up there with Britney Spears' Baby One More Time debut. So I was signed to this independent label, UME, University Music Entertainment. They were based in Washington, D.C. Drew Hill, female singing group, R&B, they were also on that label. So it was like this big production house and there were other acts on there as well. Uh, But we were a camp. We were family. They wrote several songs and produced some on the first album. Some background vocals all over there. mm -hmm. Interscope was the major label that was going to be distributing, which is under the Universal Music Group umbrella. And Interscope at the time was a rap and rock label. There was no R&B whatsoever. So I was the very first. And it was sort of an experiment to see if this would work. They wanted it to work because, hey, there's investment dollars. And they thought at the time versus the single that I wanted to go with, which was We Gonna Make You Dance to establish myself at this as this triple threat, multi-talented entertainer that was going to tap dance in her first video, by the way. They were like, no, that's not it. Let's get, well, let's use the success of Drew Hill and Cisco's star power to solidify you as an mm. artist. You know, because that's the easiest way, the easiest route to guarantee that, first of all, we can get a next single and then the next single and just this this moment. And so that, that was their decision. And that was the reasoning behind it. And it worked, of course. But I had other plans as far as like, oh, this is the type of artist I am. This is the type of song I want to leave with. I know that people are going to resonate with it because they're not going to see anything like it ever I didn't get to my third album. Well, I didn't get to that idea until my third album. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my love is like, whoa. But at least there were three because the first worked out. And it was because of, hey, that out of the box look with Cisco. And um, who knows what my idea were, where it would have gone. But the Cisco thing worked with All About Me. And a lot of people in the urban space loved it. R&B space loved it. And it sort of um, solidified me as an R&B artist and then came along the pop collaboration. Mm-hmm. So it was a nice, uh, nice out-of-the-box moment. 
for the first look. <laughs> well, and that that's the best part is that you creating what is going to be the beginning of your discography. Okay, what's yeah. that song going to be? Because not only figuring out what songs work sonically on an album, then going, okay, of those, which are going to be the singles? And at the time, and a lot of people didn't realize this, you know, at the time, you're still thinking about the first single and the second single because you're releasing physical yeah. products. So there was enough time. So it's like, which one's going to work? And you not only had those, the R&B stations playing it, the hip hop, you had all these different markets mm-hmm. playing the song and going, what is this? What is, and the whole time it was so good. I think it's pretty much one of the, like the best collaborations ever because I think it allowed you to, to shine on your own and make something that is a cohesive baby. And I think it, it all worked on every level and I'm tap dancing. I would have been like, what is this? I didn't, this girl. You know? <laughs> I, by the way, I, <laughs> I was like, but the whole time I'm like, I like it. Cause you, it's like, everyone's like, wait, what is she tap dancing to? Somebody's going to not hear and be like, is my first night with you is the tap dancing one. They're like, what? I'm like, just kidding. It was not that <laughs> we had, we had so many people that were asking so many great questions. One of them was actually about, if you could go back and do a give a single treatment, like a true 90s single treatment of any of the songs on there, which one would it have been? And do you think it would have been what you just said? Well, Dance. my first idea as an artist being introduced to the world was We Gonna Make You Dance, which was more mm-hmm. of a jazzy, you know, tune that was R&B, but it was different than anything else that was out. I didn't understand the dynamics of radio and format or anything. So I wasn't thinking like that. I was thinking about solidifying myself as an artist and making this impression as this, you know, Sammy Davis Jr. in female form. Um, But I think because it's still my first, well, favorite song, If You Were Mine, Timeless, would have probably been the first single for me looking back uh, because it was musical, vocally, I like it the most of the project. And there's so many things that you can do with that live arrangement. And um, it's, it stands the test of time for me. And it's still my favorite to this day. And it always felt like one of those Monica songs, Angel of Mine, yeah. or one of her ballads, and um, church chords, <laughs> which made me start music anyways. So I um, I would choose if you were mine looking back now, but at the time it was We Gonna Make You Dance. <laughs> Ooh, I love this. I love this. Hopping out for a quick second because I wanted to give you a little taste of what Maya has coming out today. The new single is finally out. It just came out, just dropped. You might have been sleeping when it dropped, <laughs> literally. It's a brand <laughs> spanking new. It's called Wine featuring the dance hall legend, Bounty Killer. <laughs> and it's a Caribbean fun pop record that people can dance to or dance together to, which was the intention behind writing this song. Something that feels so good, so bright, just an uplifting type of song, but nothing too serious. You know, one of those summer jams. Yeah. So go head over to iTunes, purchase that song, stream it, go to YouTube, listen to it, watch the video. These are ways of supporting your favorite, Maya. And let me know what you think of the song. I may send that message along. But we're going to get back to our track by track of hashtag Maya25. All right, we have up next, we have track six, which (laughs) is If You Died, I I Wouldn't Cry. This is like the longest title. This is like a... (laughs) Like I said, the pettiness is there on that first album. <laughs> oh my gosh. When you hear, I was like, that one cuts the, it's like petty Betty. You know what I mean? That's when I go through my moments and I'm like, I put that on. I'm like, I feel it. So uh, if you died, I wouldn't cry because you never loved me anyway. which in 2021 charted in Canada on the iTunes Soul R&B tra- songs. Now here's the question. 
We have yeah. Freddie from South Africa. James, I hope that you honor Maya like no one else has ever done. You've sang her praises and tell facts about her career and how she's important to music. This CD made me go dang hard on Maya. She knows what she wants and what she doesn't. The song, If You Died, dot, dot, dot. Ask Maya, when she makes music, are there things she won't talk about in her music? Were there things then she wouldn't talk about versus now? How does she stay on topic to what she wants? This song cuts like a knife in a good way. And that was Freddie from South Africa. That's the only song that I did not want to sing on this project. I refused. I said, that's not something I would ever say. I I can't relate. It was too harsh for me. And mm-hmm. I vocalized that several times. But Nokio from Drew Hill, we were working closely together at the time. We were all in Atlanta, Drew Hill. And they were like, I'm telling you, girls really feel like this. And I hadn't had my first heartbreak yet. And I was speaking from a place of character, not wanting to wish death on anyone, but also not knowing the space that people are in when they are completely devastated or find something out that they are not ready to ingest. And all of the guys had the same opinion. They have sisters, they have, you know, cousins, they have aunts and of course mothers. And they just say, they said, this is the one that girls are going to relate to guys too. But if you sing it, the girls are just going to be with you. This is how it feels. And um, they were right. And I gave it, (laughs) I gave it a chance not to even grow on me, but I said, I'm fine. I can't relate, but if other people do, I'll try it. And we kept it. (laughs) We kept it. And to this day, that song is the most mentioned amongst my supporters and the stories that are attached to it. And there are a lot of laughs because the title is so petty and so long and so extra, (laughs) but that's a part of being a teenager and experiencing things and processing things. That's how you feel when you go through it. That initial heartbreak when someone has done you completely wrong. That's Mm -hmm. how that's really real. Some, some adults even, uh, feel that way. I don't think I've ever felt that way yet to the point I would vocalize. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, that was one of those songs that I couldn't relate to. And I finally agreed to cutting it because of all of the feedback just within our team. And they were right. So artists don't always know everything. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no regrets, but I still don't feel that way. Oh, there you go. There you go. Even I love the this. Biggest- even with the biggest a-hole, you know, I, st- I would still never, you know, not cry if someone passed away. <laughs> Fast forward to a year from now, Maya's like, this one guy, did- <laughs> this is the name of my greatest hits compilation called dot, 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 if I ever, all the way through. I love it. I love it. <laughs> that completes side one of Maya. Now make sure you subscribe to get side two, where we finish Maya's debut album. And join me on Instagram, the.original.doll, and on Twitter, at James Rodriguez, R-O-D-R-I-G-U-E-Z. And if you have a favorite song, or if you have a letter of love you'd like to send to Maya, or another recording artist, songwriter, producer, send it to my DMs, or go to the website, theoriginaldoll.com, scroll down to the comment section. My name is James Rodriguez, this is The Original Doll Iconography. I'll see you on the flip side. Well... I also did not want to cut that song because...